Welcome to the Blackburn News Podcast, the first episode, in fact. And in this episode, we look at the biggest issue that is facing us today, the COVID-19 pandemic, and why, it seems, a lot of people just aren't following the public health guidelines that are designed to get us out of this pandemic without overwhelming our hospitals and to minimize the number of people who get sick and the number of people who die from this virus. This episode was written by Craig Needles and Patrick Magermans and produced by Patrick Magermans. Now here is your host, Craig Needles. It was almost a year ago when most people in our community and our country first heard terms like lockdown, stay at home, social distancing. There was fear, anxiousness, worry that leaving home might be dangerous. COVID-19 was new to Canada and a mystery to many, including the nation's leading health experts. By the summer, we'd all gotten used to it, though. We were used to social distancing. We were used to outdoor visits with friends. We even got used to watching sporting events on our televisions in empty arenas and in empty stadiums. Perhaps, however, we got too used to the virus, too used to the new rules, and we got complacent. Cases grew. Projections got much more severe into the fall and winter. By Boxing Day, far too late in the opinion of many experts, a province-wide stay-at-home order was finally issued. Despite climbing case numbers and climbing death totals, there's still some resistance to these orders. And one wonders why there's so much more resistance now and so much more anger now surrounding these orders compared to what we had back in the spring. And of course, the ever-increasing skepticism from some about how dangerous COVID-19 actually is. Certainly during the beginning of wave two, we saw uh, cases start to climb uh, in lower risk populations that were generally more likely to be risk takers, adolescent groups in particular. You know, in September, we saw uh, the major outbreaks at Western. Uh, And I think, you know, all of that was really an issue of pandemic fatigue. That's Dr. Chris Mackey, Chief Medical Officer of Health for the Middlesex London Health Unit, talking about the resistance to COVID protocols at the beginning of the second wave when asked about the difference between spring and winter compliance. I think people now realize that um, they've absolutely got to buckle down. Otherwise, you know, our healthcare system is going to start uh, really having difficulties and uh, we'll see more and more tighter lockdowns. Cases are trending down in our area through this month, but that doesn't mean we're out of the woods yet, as we've been reminded regularly by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. I know you're probably uh, watching the news these days attentively, as everyone is, and uh, watching the positive sign of the cases going down across the country. That is uh, a good step in the right direction. But we also know at the same time, the new variants that are more communicable, uh, more easily transmitted, are increasingly out there. So we need to stay careful. You are doing a great job making the sacrifices necessary that have shown us on the right track. But we're going to need to stay vigilant. We're going to need to be careful uh, if we're going to make it through this spring uh, in the best possible way uh, to be able to enjoy uh, a better future for all. Because nobody wants a third wave to start, particularly not one comprised of new, more communicable uh, variants that uh, can cause real challenges. Denial. Telling yourself and those around you that the health impacts of COVID-19 aren't that serious. Fatigue. Even though you know the impacts of COVID-19 are serious, you're just tired of following the rules because they're inconvenient. So you cheat a little bit here, you cheat a little bit there, and that's where case counts continue to go up. These are things that public health officials all over Canada are battling, including here in London. It's a pretty normal coping mechanism to go into denial when something's so overwhelming and you can... 
you know, individual action seems to have such limited effect on it. So I think a lot of people went into that state of believing that what they did doesn't matter. Then there's the Premier. Doug Ford has been asking Ontarians to stay at home during the second wave, while also dealing with a member of his cabinet taking a tropical beach vacation and a controversy surrounding his own visit with former Mississauga Mayor Hazel McCallion. I can tell you I'm, I'm very upset. I'm very frustrated with the, the situation. I stand out here every single day and tell people to stay at home. People are losing their businesses. We're locking things down. And it's unacceptable that anyone, any elected official, myself included, or anyone that gets up, ignores the rules, and goes down uh, to an island. It's unacceptable, and we're going to have a very tough conversation when he gets back. There were months of warnings. There were rising new case numbers, astronomical projections, and global examples that people in this province could draw from. But with cabinet hypocrisy and a lack of government support causing even more Ontarians to tune experts out, Case numbers obviously kept going up. Why was there such resistance to these public health guidelines? Dr. David Dozwas, a full professor of psychology and psychiatry and the director of the clinical psychology graduate program at Western University, he gave Blackburn News some insight into the mindset that's led to the unraveling of some of that public willingness to follow these guidelines. Yeah, so I mean, I think what happened is in the in the first wave, we were all really concerned. I think part of that was we didn't really know what COVID was. We didn't know how bad things would get. We, um, we didn't know really how to deal with this. It was a new issue. We, we received information from the Public Health Agency of Canada and from other local health authorities on how to manage the virus and how to stay safe. And so we all complied. We took precautions. We washed our hands. We physical distanced. We wore masks and so on. And then what happened is over time, I think what happened is people started to experience uh, what some people have called caution fatigue. And, and the idea there is that you can kind of only remain vigilant for so long before you become exhausted. And, and after some time, it's like COVID becomes strangely familiar and we kind of let our guard down. Will this continue? Well, with a vaccination rollout program and potentially a third wave coming our way, that means there will be more uncertainty and that might lead to more trouble. Part of it is that we, you know, we all kind of worry and get anxious when there's an increase in uncertainty and a loss of control or unpredictability. We all kind of like things to be predictable. And COVID has certainly thrown a curveball into that. And so anxiety is kind of a normal response to the pandemic, especially when it first kicked in. And those who've been protesting now are likely to continue to protest against these types of rules, including mask wearing in the future. They're trying to find some control, according to Dr. Dozwa. So anxiety is just a signal, just like pain is a signal that we should move our hand from a hot stove or... Uh, or something like that. Anxiety is a signal that we perceive there to be threat. But then it's up to our brains to determine whether that threat is real or perceived. And in the case of anxiety problems, um, those fears are unfounded. So we work at facing them. In many cases, that means just not acknowledging COVID as a threat, especially coming off of last summer with low case counts compared to the United States, when many of us really didn't know anyone else who had the virus. Thing is, the more we face our fears, the less anxiety we have. Um, so this is a really great strategy if you're trying to overcome an anxiety disorder like social anxiety or a fear of, of dogs. Um, I use cognitive behavioral therapy with clients I work with to systematically face their fears. And, and what happens when you, when you do that is your anxiety goes down. You, you start to habituate to it, and you also experience new learning or new evidence. 
um, you sort of recognize that just because I fear something doesn't mean something bad will happen. Do the lower numbers in February mean we're in danger of relaxing a little bit, as politicians have told us? We should all take comfort and great pride in how we've managed to bring our outbreaks uh, from December and early January under control. You know, we've gone from daily case counts nearing 200 down to uh, around 20 per day recently. Our percent positivity is dropping, our hospital capacity is improving. Your efforts are making a difference. Your efforts are saving lives. They're also buying our healthcare system and public health officials valuable time as we continue to vaccinate our most vulnerable as fast as we possibly can, given the limited supply of the vaccine. That's London's Mayor Ed Holder reacting to case counts getting lower. However, relaxing when we see those positive or at least trending in a positive way numbers is exactly how we got into the second wave situation, according to Dr. Dozwa. I think that's one of the main reasons why we've um, had trouble in the second wave, because the threat, although it's still there very much, we've gotten familiar with it. And we've kind of perceived it to not be that much of a threat, even though it really is. So why are protests so vocal about things like mask wearing and social gatherings being banned and church services not being allowed? Dr. Dozwa has some thoughts on that. We sort of have a biological drive to to connect with others socially. I think that's another factor that contributes to caution fatigue is when we, we're not that we're doing this, you know, deliberately, but when we sort of weigh the pros and cons, are we we sort of are willing to take the risk because we desire so much to connect socially with other people. In the summer, there are ways around that. In the wintertime, however, well, there's been some difficulties and case counts reflected that. The nice weather and, and all of that kind of pushed us a bit more toward uh, getting together with people in what was a fairly safe way because you could still keep your distance outside in the nice warm weather. But now that we're hitting, you know, the winter in the second wave, People still have that desire to get together socially and to connect with people, and yet it's difficult. You can't really do it outside. And I'm in Winnipeg right now. It's minus 31. I'm not going to st- stand outside and go for a socially distanced walk. You know, it's, it's difficult. So um, I think winter, you know, so I, people are getting together inside now, which is, a, of course, more dangerous. So if people are going to break those rules, that means more spread, higher case counts, and probably a third wave coming our way. Of course, there are then concerns about kids already being back in school, what will happen with them. And of course, there's pushback from people in the community who never consider the virus to be a threat at all. It's easy to have this unrealistic optimism and this illusion of control. And I think with COVID, where that um, plays out is it's very easy to think that it's not if it's not in your immediate circle and affecting you, that you're somehow uh, more immune to it than you really are. And so it can lead to sort of unhealthy behaviors because you'd be more likely to take risks if you see the, the risk is low because you have this unrealistic optimism. Then there's the business aspect of it. And it's understandable. Many business owners are concerned about their livelihood, concerned about what things are going to look like once COVID is done or even if they'll make it through COVID-19 protocols. So how should the community navigate this for the next few months until vaccination numbers rise? Well, they shouldn't be going too far in either direction, according to Dr. Dozwal. I think we need to sort of have a healthy balance between anxiety. We don't want to be too extreme on anxiety. I think we want to be evidence-based and not, you know, be so hypervigilant that we're leaving our groceries on a, by the front door for four days before we use them. I mean, I think there's a balance there with evidence. But on the other hand, we don't want to be nonchalant and just take it too lightly and think it's not going to affect us. There's a healthy balance there. 
The anti-mask crowd, though small, has continued throughout the pandemic, despite regular warnings and messaging from Health Canada and officials like Dr. Mackey. Part of the reason is because it's become a political stance in the United States, and that mindset has crept into Canada as well. But as Dr. Dozwat told us, that's also triggered just purely by emotion. I think it stems from misinformation in part, but I also think it's, it's partly related to the fact that, you know, quite frankly, no one likes to be told what to do. Um, I think, you know, I think whenever someone uh, presents restrictions, there's always a pushback. So that means more protests and more anger and sadly, more people who are going to get COVID-19. They don't want their, their rights and control to be uh, taken away. They don't like restrictions. And so they respond in anger when it could be that that's related really to um, some underlying anxiety as well. And it also could be the fact that, you know, we just... Some people, you know, don't, um, some people, everyone wants some sense of control, but for some people, I think that's more important than for others. And keeping the numbers in mind as far as the percentage of people who are quote unquote COVID deniers is very important. We have to make sure that we realize that most of us are following the rules because that way the we're all in this together type of phrasing that we've been using, well, it actually applies. We tend to have tunnel vision and we all we see is the threat or the uh, thing that's ticking us off. And it's important when you see that not to just overgeneralize and think that, ah, everyone's doing that and get really angry. Step back and recognize, you know, most people are doing well. So in some segments of society, the following of COVID-19 protocols has been lackadaisical. Some people break the rules a little bit here and there, while others are breaking the rules much more flagrantly. But it's so important, according to experts like Dr. Mackey and Dr. Dojwa, to think of the greater good, to think of the number of people who, who get infected beyond yourself, your family and your friends, if you were to break these rules, and to think about the impact it would have on them. And though fears of COVID have dissolved into a state of normalcy that really we've been getting used to over the past year, we must give the virus the respect it deserves when it comes to these safety precautions, because that third wave is coming. It's just a matter of whether that third wave is a ripple or a tsunami. Whichever it is, we need to be ready. The Blackburn News Podcast is a production of Blackburn Media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Amazon. You can also bookmark the podcast page on blackburnnews.com. On the next episode, we'll look at the issue of homelessness. Right now, if they freeze to death, you can't fix them. If they starve to death, you can't heal them. So we're trying to take the kinds of steps that are necessary to keep them alive. That's London Mayor Ed Holder. He'll be Craig Needle's guest on the next episode of the Blackburn News Podcast. Mm-hmm.